Hi, this is Gail from Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. And recently, I went to a podcast conference, and there I met Chris Tatum from the Cross-Examined Life podcast, which is a podcast about elevating the art of disagreement through cross-exams of controversial topics. And he works to bring people together and actually have a productive debate around a controversial topic. I highly recommend you checking it out. When I met Chris, I I told Chris about experiences you should have, and I asked him if he had an amazing experience that he would want to share. And immediately he said, going off the ring road in Iceland. Now the ring road is the main road circling Iceland. And if you go to Iceland, you will probably be driving part of the ring road, which is magnificent. However, many people do not explore outside the ring road. Dun dun dun. Yet, uh, Chris and his wife got to go off the beaten path in wild Iceland nature. And they went backpacking in the Icelandic wilderness where the Arctic foxes roam free. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This was a really fun one. And and I personally have this just beautiful feeling for Iceland. I've never been there, but I'm going to name drop. There's an amazing person out in the world. Her name is Kola, and she's from Iceland and uh, actually wore the wedding dress she wore, and she wore the wedding dress in Iceland. I had a a traveling wedding dress. It's been in multiple weddings, but my wedding dress was in Iceland, and therefore I feel a tie to Iceland and need to go, and it looks like I need to go off the ring road, and maybe you should too. Hi, this is Gail with Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. And today we are here with Chris Tatum, and he has a podcast called The Cross-Examined Life, elevating the art of disagreement through cross-exams of controversial topics. Ooh, welcome, Chris. Thank you so much, Gail. It's great to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. And before we move on to this episode, which is about going off the ring road in Iceland, um, I also just want you to tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast. Well, thanks. Uh, Cross-examine life is an attempt to improve the way we disagree with one another. I think we often find ourselves in difficult, controversial conversations. We don't know how to proceed. Sometimes we get angry. Sometimes we shut down. Sometimes we attack the other person. Cross-examine life exemplifies what respectful, thoughtful conversations can look like, even when the topic is really difficult. Wow. Wow. I mean, you are actually making an impact in the world like that. That is really incredible. And I'm going to possibly be on your show if, if all works out. And if all works out. And we're going to have to put this to the test and 
Will I react appropriately? I really hope so. Um, I'm sure you will. I'm okay. sure you will. <laughs> okay, good. Have you had any like sticky situations where you're like, like, um, get, like really heated and? No, fortunately, no one's gotten like really heated so far. Um, though I haven't put anyone head to head yet, so that might be an experiment to try. Okay. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, so far people have been um, incredibly thoughtful and respectful. What's most interesting though is some listeners have said that when they listen to Cross-Examine Life, they find themselves shouting at their podcast app because they can't believe the ridiculous thing that's being said right now. <laughs> and so I always feel like that's good. If someone can shout at their podcast app instead of another person, maybe we're slightly making the world a better place one shout at a time. Right, and you're invoking some emotion and feelings and getting people riled up for the day. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh but today we're going to be talking about travel because we're going to be talking about awesome places. Because I love awesome places because it's the experiences that matter. That is what sticks in your brain. You don't think back to all those days sitting at the office in front of your computer. You think of the amazing places you've been and the experiences you've had. And uh, I ran into Chris in Philadelphia at Podcast Movement and we just started talking a little bit and and I asked him about like an experience that stuck out in in your head and I think I'm talking in multiple persons here, but but you mentioned like this trip going off the ring road in Iceland and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those like those specific experiences that that just live in your brain and your memory and and that's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, well, this is absolutely one of those. It has been burned and etched in my memory forever, and there's things that happened on the trip that I'll never forget. Oh, fantastic. Well, we are we are going to dive right in. Um, so the Ring Road in Iceland. Well, what is the Ring Road in Iceland? So it's an 828-mile road that encompasses more or less the perimeter of the island of Iceland. The problem is, like most natural islands, it's not a perfect circle or perfect um, oval. Right. It's really kind of like an oval with these kind of messy corners and messy edges. And one of those messy edges is significantly sized in proportion to the rest of the country. And that's the northwest corner. Um, mm -hmm. And so if you never venture off the ring road, you would never get to the northwest corner of the country. Um, the ring road really takes you around the maybe, you know, perimeter that's like the average of the country. And so it doesn't kind of venture off into the messy corners. Mm -hmm. um, and what you find on the ring road, it's it's like a paved two lane road. Um, sometimes you have two lanes of traffic in each direction, but most of the time it's just one lane of traffic. Um, you find a lot of camper vans, you find a lot of SUVs that were rented near the airport, and you find an overwhelming quantity of tour buses driving around from mm -hmm. every tour company imaginable. Um, and what we found is that a lot of hikers and campers go east when they get to the country. They sort of travel along the southern side of Iceland. It's sort of like an oval. Uh -huh. um, and I guess there's um, better weather there's less rain and there's more like attractions that you find in tourist books on the south side of Iceland. Okay. And so people think that if they only have a few days, might as well maximize their time, hit all the places in the tourist book and check out the southern side of the island. Mm -hmm. How 
But my wife and I wanted to go against the grain and we wanted to swim upstream. And so we decided to head instead of going counterclockwise around Iceland, going the south side first, we would instead go clockwise and head up sort of the northwest corner. I guess I should clarify. Uh, yeah, where'd um, you start? Sure, sure. So we flew into Reykjavik. Okay. Um, and Reykjavik is in sort of like the southwestern corner of the oval. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of um, progressed northward um, towards the northwest corner of the, of the country. Um, and what we were looking for going off the ring road and what we found was a place with very few tourists, a place where, unlike on the ring road, there's very few or no sheep and goats, uh, cattle has never grazed. Um, you find the most incredible lush green grasses and trees that I've ever seen with waterfalls cascading all around Ooh. you. Uh, it's a place where Arctic foxes can run wild and birds oh. have no natural predators. Did you actually see an Arctic fox? I actually saw an Arctic fox what? while taking a leak. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're taking a leak, you see an Arctic fox, did you end up like peeing all over yourself? Or like, were you able <laughs> basically, to... Basically. <laughs> I was like, what is, that, what is that brown fox doing over there? And I thought it was supposed to be white. I want my money back. And I did my research later on, and I found out that Arctic foxes change color so that when it's snowy out, they're white, and when it's brown out, they're brown. And I was like, why why am I not an Arctic fox? Life would have been better. Mind blown. Mind blown. So we were looking for all of that in Horstrandir Nature Reserve in the northwest corner of Iceland has that. It's a nature reserve where there's no grazing of cattle, no sheep, no goats, no cows. Um, it's just green grasses, forests, and mountains um, kind of between these little islands and rivers. And um, it's, it's untouched. It's one of the few places I've ever gone where I felt like it's existed just as it did millennia ago because wow. um, it's a lot to live there. And so, you know, there's so few animals there. Just kind of birds and Arctic foxes. Ooh, fantastic! <laughs> so to so to get there, you had to go off the Ring Road, which is what this episode's about. So, so how did you how do you do that exactly? How would you go off the Ring Road to get there? Yeah. Well, um, first we looked at the kind of terrain that we'd be driving through to get there and what we found was that at first it sort of starts off as a paved road that leaves the ring road Um, but then it sort of quickly turns to gravel and sometimes gravel roads that you might be traveling on could disappear into the clouds Um, (laughs) sometimes the roads that you're on are hugging fjords and they have like a precipice and many times the precipice doesn't have guardrails so you have to like really like driving and be very good at it. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, we've had one of those experiences in Hawaii, but not actually next to like fjords, but, but just <laughs> so, some, some shady driving there. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm sure it was very similar because you have sort of that mountainous, almost volcanic like terrain. Right. And in fact, we had recently been in Hawaii and we kept thinking, wow, this looks just like, oh. you know, very, very similar to Hawaii in a lot of ways. Now, is this um, one lane roads or two lane road? Uh, I guess it was one lane in each direction. So okay. Two okay. Um, but because there's so many fjords in the northwest corner of the country, you're basically driving into sort of like the 
elbow of each fjord and then kind of like driving back out to get around them. Oh. So it's almost like you could look across a fjord, which is only like 100 feet wide, but like 10 miles long. Mm-hmm. And you could like see the road that you're about to be on, but you know it's going to take you two hours to get there because you have <laughs> to sort of drive all the way down to the elbow and then all the way back out. And so you're just sort of like doing that like constantly in the Western fjords uh-huh. to make any progress. So a bird could fly it in 30 minutes and it took us, you know, the better part of a day and a half to drive it. Um, but it's a really gorgeous drive there as you're sort of disappearing in and out of these clouds in the Western fjords. And uh, I'll tell you specifically how to get there from Reykjavik and what should be your first stop if you want to know it. I do. But real quick, what kind of vehicle were you driving? It's a great question. Um, it was a SUV that we rented from one of the rental places just almost uh, attached to the airport. We like walked there from the airport. And um, it was expensive, unfortunately. <laughs> the rental cars in Iceland were like $90 a day. Oh, wow. And then gas, I think, was like twice what it costs in the U.S. Mm. So, yeah. Driving is expensive. And that's why a lot of people get the camper vans and they share them with 10 friends or you know, take a tour bus or something. But we were sort of committed to doing our own thing and yes. swimming upstream. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you ran the SUV. Does that have four-wheel drive? And do you need four-wheel drive to go off the ring road? Funny story about that. It does have four-wheel drive, but most of the SUVs rented to tourists in Iceland are pathetic. That is, they have a horsepower of about half or two-thirds of what a U.S. sedan would have. And so oh. you find yourself engaging the four-wheel drive, but realizing that you know you might struggle to get out of mud or you might struggle to get up a hill. Um, and so I would definitely recommend if you get a four-wheel drive vehicle and you're paying for like the cheapest four-wheel drive vehicle, uh-huh. don't expect much of it. Um, if you want a SUV that you can expect a lot out of, expect to pay 110 120 a day or more. Um, but that $90 entry level is just going to be just enough to get you the four-wheel drive, but not really accomplish too much for you. Specifically, our car was called a Jimny, J-I-M-N-Y. And uh, yeah, like Suzuki. Huh. It's like a model that they don't make in the U.S. Huh. And cool. uh it was sufficient for our purposes, I'll tell you. We ventured, you know, certainly when you're driving off the ring road, um, it was sufficient, both for the paved road and for gravel roads. Um, there were a few times when we ventured off into grass or dirt, and we were fine, but we were also cautious not to get into quicksand or sand period or mud. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, and then do you need to have, uh, like, higher clearance? for your car like do you, or can it be lower can it be okay um it don't think it really matters i mean yeah any place where there was like a bridge or an overpass i think it was like fine i mean there's like commercial trucks and stuff that drive on the ring road okay um it really is like the main artery for travel in iceland so like every type of vehicle travels on the ring road it's just really once you get off the ring road that you know, you start losing a lot of tourists and a lot of commercial trucking. Mm. Our first stop, and I think anyone's first stop in Reykjavik, should be the camp store. There's a few camping stores where you can get every supply that you weren't allowed to fly with. Oh. So you can get propane for all your propane-based toys that 
you know, fit the U.S. things that you brought over. Uh-huh. You can get your cooking oil. They probably have a basket of leftover pasta and flour and baking soda that people didn't use. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we rented camp chairs that we didn't wind up using very much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just sort of like the bulkier stuff we didn't want to fly with. But the rental rates were really agreeable. So um, Fantastic. renting what you need or buying the propane from the camp store is like a great first move. Perfect. Perfect. So you went to the camp store, and then where was your next destination? All right. So we started driving northwest on Route 1. Just like in the United States, Route 1 is like the main artery. It's the ring road. And Mm -hmm. so we took that northwest, and we wanted to spend the night in an Icelandic farm. And so I would recommend to anybody who is heading up that way, um, look on Airbnb for this farm called Seljaland. S-E-L-J-A-L-A-N-D. Okay. Um, it's run by this couple, Niels and Ragnarherder. And excuse the pronunciation, <laughs> but Icelandic is very, very difficult to pronounce. Right. Oh, my um, gosh. I'm reading some of this. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to do with this. But I think if you I think if you look for Seljaland on um, Airbnb, you should be able to find this beautiful Icelandic farm that we stayed on. It was just on the way up on the northwest route um, towards the... Uh, northwest fjords and the couple there was so nice and then you could elect in the morning that they would make um, breakfast for you and they kind of have like three little cabins on the property so we had our own little cabin overlooking a river and i don't know it was like 50 bucks a night or something oh cool fantastic um, yeah definitely recommend that (laughs) you're talking prices i agree with here yep yep (laughs) so um after we left that farm the next morning um, we kept going up Route 1, and we made a left on Route 60 towards a small town called Budardalor. Um, and Budardalor was celebrating the Western Fjords Day, where they celebrate the sort of like cultural heritage of just that tiny corner of the country. Oh. This was end of July, like July 22nd-ish. Mm-hmm. And just by way of some of the activities that they have on Western Fjords Day, they have uh, we had to put it into Google Translate, but this is what it said. Invitations for soup at people's houses. Oh. Seaweed lovely. ball. <laughs> As a sport, seaweed ball. Seaweed and ball. Uh, and delicious hot cocoa. <laughs> so Oh wow. So it's July. July twenty yeah. second and it's around that time, yeah. <laughs> and you're having hot cocoa and soup in people's houses. I would have called this like a December activity. Um, I mean, really, Northwest Iceland in July is a high of 60, maybe 65. Oh. Yeah, not super summery. Um, Temperatures I agree with. Temperatures that speak my (laughs) life. Did anybody invite you into their house for some soup and hot cocoa? There were a string of houses that we could go into and have soup. And the one house that we went to had like a tent outside because I think they didn't want people like tracking through their house. And so we had soup at their house, um, like in the tent. And it was just so kind to have like homemade soup from a family. Western. Yeah. (laughs) So did you get to see seaweed ball being played or? Uh, I think we were late. Uh, we didn't see that being played, um, but there was a really large, I'm talking like the size of a house, um, Clifford, the big red dog, like piece of plywood that was in someone's yard because, I don't know, maybe they were really excited about Clifford. Oh, well, hey, you never know. You never know. <laughs> never know. So um, 
we continued our trek northwester, mm-hmm. northwesterly through the western fjords, um, following Route 60 uh, towards the harbor where we would um, really embark on the journey to the reserve. And that harbor is called, I'm going to screw it up, but Isafidjur. It's Isafidjur. Exactly. You got it. I-S-A-F-J-O-R-D-U-R. And Isafidjur is a harbor where a boat leaves out of, we think every morning at 8 a.m., and there's like one ticket shop in town that sells tickets to get on the boat and go to the nature reserve. And you'd know that you're at the right shop because it's a tiny town, like like really tiny. And uh, there's only one shop in town that tourists would go to before 8, and it's this one. And so a bunch of tourists are going in there, you know, and they're all like geared up. They got their backpacks, they got their boots, they got their gaiters, they're ready. And, um, you know, you buy your ticket to basically go into the nature reserve. And this is the coolest part about it. You're standing there at the register and they say, how long do you want to hike around the nature reserve? And you're like, what are my choices? And they're like, well, 24 hours or three days or five days, or you do like the 10 day. Wow. And it's just so big that even on the 10 day, like you never see the same thing twice. It's massive. Whoa. Uh, and basically a boat drops you off. If you want, you can select a guide, but we didn't. And uh, then the boat picks you up on the other side at the end. So and how far is it from where the boat drops off to where you get picked up? So that just depends on how long you want to hike for. So in our case, we went to, and the reason why a boat is involved is for the following reason. The harbor of Isafidur is kind of on a bay mm-hmm. on the very northern tip of the western fjords. And so you cross the bay on a 40-minute boat trip, and you get into Horstrandir Nature Reserve. When you're in the nature reserve, they have these little ports, or towns that they call them, but they're really not towns. They're like literally a wooden deck that you step off onto, uh-huh. and uh, you start your journey. And so in our case, we went to this one called Hestieri, H-E-S-T-E-Y-R-I, um, and we were sort of headed for this mountain pass with a really difficult to pronounce name, Hestariarkaro. <laughs> Um, it's, we can that's, it's a good it. try. It's a good try. Um, and so we sort of headed for this mountain pass, and uh, we basically said we want to do the 24-hour trip. So the boat drops us off on one side of the nature reserve. 24 hours, it picks us up on the other side. All in all, we probably hiked five miles. It was nothing okay. crazy. Okay. Um, but the elevation differential was significant. The weather was like. 34 degrees Fahrenheit and raining Ooh, most of the time. Uh-huh. And what we found was once we got up to a high enough elevation, there was snow on the ground, but so many people had walked on it that it had now been sort of packed down to ice. Oh. And, <laughs> unlike in the United States, where they might put railings or signs or rope or stairs or anything to keep you safe, there wasn't. There was simply just ice on the side of a mountain, and you had to get up it. So, so if you have trouble with mobility, and maybe if you're in a wheelchair or something like that, uh, was there any pass like that that you could go on, or is this a very rugged, icy hiking trip? Um, definitely not. 
Um, you should not undertake this if you have mobility issues. Okay. Um, you could potentially take a much longer route that wouldn't involve snow or ice, and okay. you could avoid that. I think also it was just sort of a little colder when we were there, mm-hmm. um, and so you might be able to avoid snow by a couple other days. And really, I mean, the biggest lesson and takeaway for us was that we didn't think we needed those hiking poles. Like, I don't know, oh. my wife and I have always sort of like made fun of people from a distance for bringing those hiking poles with them. And this was the first place where we were like, if only we had hiking poles, like we could actually stabilize ourselves on this yeah. kind of like icy snow and, and make it up. And instead, I sort of found myself on my hands and knees kind of crawling up this little snow <laughs> <laughs> with a pack on my back. <laughs> Very ungloriously wishing I had brought hiking poles. Now, are you wearing like a snowsuit or like what, uh, what are you wearing here? Give me your attire. Yeah, so I'm wearing uh, North Face boots that only come up about eight inches. Um, I probably should have had gaiters, but I didn't. I had uh, waterproof hiking pants on and uh, I did have a snow jacket on. Okay. But then underneath that, I was trying to keep it pretty cool because I was getting pretty hot, you know, while hiking. Mm. Now, can you rent some of the stuff at the camp store, like the gators and that sort of thing? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would even guess like jackets. Um, and I recall wearing, I think we were wearing gloves because it was just like, it was like pretty cold. So I would also recommend for this particular hike, um, besides hiking poles and maybe even like crampons for the bottom of your hiking boots Mm. um lots of fresh socks tends to be rainy and there's a lot of streams slash small rivers that Mm. i think icelandic like hike planners just kind of assume that you'll walk through like oh yes (laughs) (laughs) visitors probably enjoy walking through these streams that are near freezing and so just plan to like get your boots completely submerged or in my case i tried taking my boots off when I crossed oh. so they wouldn't get soaking wet and then I dropped one of them in the river oh no <laughs> so that was that was quite an ordeal I would also say bring a GPS device with maps pre-downloaded mm-hmm. because there is like no reception happening out there okay. um, so don't rely on your phone um, also bring food because there are no stores in the nature reserve um, uh-huh. there's a whole lot of just nature but the most gorgeous pieces of nature that I've ever experienced. Um, so when we sort of like came what? over, yeah, tell me. Well, when we came over the saddle, um, it had been raining. It had been sort of just like drenching us and making us cold and wet. And we sort of passed through a final stream, and it looked like it just sort of like went over the side of the mountain. And we we're like, "What's over there?" Mm-hmm. And as we sort of approached the edge, it looked like what had used to been be like a volcano it was just like hollowed out valley amidst this like sheer kind of precipice on all sides and it was the most intense green of grass i had ever seen mm. and the sun just sort of came out from the clouds and there was this waterfall to my right just gushing and pouring down this like i don't know like 500 yards thousand yard like drop to the bottom of this valley and Everywhere I looked, there were just, like, birds flying and singing, and everything was, like, still and beautiful. And uh, it was 
it was really incredible to be able to walk down into that valley and know that at the end of that, the boat was going to pick us up the next morning. Oh, um, wow. That is so <laughs> cool. So all we had to do was sort of like make our way down a very sort of, you know, tricky trail that was also like very narrow, but at least it wasn't icy or snowy. And then when we got into the heart of this like just green, gorgeous valley, we slept there for the night and then, you know, we could do sort of like a day hike the next morning before the boat came to get us. And it was that night that I saw the Arctic fox in that valley. Um, So it's really just an incredible experience that I would hate for anyone to miss out on if they found themselves in Iceland and, you know, didn't take it upon themselves to to take this trip. Now, you are hiking with a tent on your back? Yes. And fortunately, my wife and I hiked together, so we sort of split the pieces of the tent what we probably shouldn't have brought was our down pillows because we wanted to be comfortable. And when they got wet, they got really heavy. Uh, and so you're bringing, are you bringing your own water or are you using water from Iceland like that you see in the rivers and that sort of thing? Um, I think we brought like half filled water bottles and then the purifier mm-hmm. because there's so many rivers that like it was pretty easy to just go and purify water. I'm sure some people probably drank it straight from the rivers because it looks so clean, but we weren't about to you know, right. take our chances. Right. You're not into the raw water thing? I'm, I've just heard too many stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you see the Northern Lights? So we didn't, and part of that was because of the time of year we went. So as far as the best time to go, if people who listen to this really want to go to Iceland and take this experience but also see the Northern Lights – I'd encourage them to go between October through March would be the best time to see the Northern Lights. But they have seen them as early as August. Um, but that meant that July was like pretty unlikely. So no, we didn't, mm. we didn't see them. Um, but yeah, I think maybe, I think like, you know, August, September, October might be like the sweet spot there in terms of lining it up with vacation time. Um, I will say there's some other costs I just wanted to mention. Mm, Oh, yeah, please. So the boat trip and the sort of getting into the nature reserve, um, you know, for the sort of service of them dropping you off where you wish and picking you up where you wish, however many days later, it's $225 a person, um, which is about on par with other things in the country. It is expensive. It's almost like Mm. everything is almost twice the price as the U.S. Okay. So, you know, $125. Ten dollars for something like that is not outrageous here, right. um, and it sort of made the, the two twenty five forgivable there. Okay. Um, but it was absolutely worth it. And um, you know, if that plus gas, you know, and a tent is like you know your only expense, I think you could you could definitely do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not bad. You can you can absolutely still kind of do this on the cheap, especially mm-hmm. if you're if you're roughing it. Right. And the, the ice and the snow <laughs> and the waterfalls surrounded by totally. Arctic foxes. <laughs> and one of the cool parts about bringing a tent is that so much of Iceland is like just sort of like wild that you can pitch a tent on the side of the road anywhere and no one's going to mind. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you don't have to reserve that in advance. No. Nope. Pay camping fees and that nope. sort of thing. Nope. 
Um, you can book the boat trip out to the nature reserve in advance, but I'm talking like even once we were back from the nature reserve and just driving around in the Western fjords, like we would just pull off and find like a picnic table or something and throw our tent there. And, you know, there were no signs or anything. Um, like it's just sort of wild. And when we talked to some of the locals, they're like, Oh yeah, people like pitch their tents on the side of the road all the time. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. what are some other costs involved? We we talked about the car rental. We talked about the the boat trip, entry, the no-cost camping on the side of the road. Um, <laughs> Where did you fly from, and how much did it cost you for airfare? Uh, we flew from the uh, northeast. Um, I think it was JFK, mm-hmm. and it was about 680 that we paid per ticket. That's not bad at all. That's good. No. No. And, you know, some people have even found that if you get like a cheap ticket to Europe, sometimes it lays over in Iceland and you can actually get to Iceland less expensively by saying you're going further oh. uh, and just like stopping in Iceland. Fabulous. Um, but then yeah. do they cancel? I always wondered about this. Like if I were to fly from New York to Paris and stopped off in Iceland and I got off in Iceland, would they cancel my ticket on the way back if I didn't make it to my final destination? Um, only from one anecdotal experience of a friend, I can say, no, that didn't happen to him. Okay. All right. <laughs> so but, it's at but least listeners, possible. listeners, do your research before you try this. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, so we had the, yeah, the car rental, the plane fare, the gas, um, the boat trip. And uh, food, you know, it's not cheap. You go to the grocery store, you're paying seven dollars for a box of cereal, but you know, you try to try to do it as inexpensively as possible. Now, was there Icelandic cuisine that that everyone should try at least once? I hate to be boring, but I'm gonna say no. Okay. Um, you know, it's I feel like kind of asking like, is there like Irish cuisine? It's like, eh. Uh, like, okay. You no, know, it's just beef. Right. Chicken, lamb, a lot of lamb, okay. like some fish. Yeah, nothing remarkable. Okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so it's not like a foodie trip. It's a nature blow your mind, Arctic fox. Absolutely. Amazingness Absolutely. <laughs> trip. Okay. And we didn't even mention the hot springs. Oh, hot springs. Okay, can't. were there hot springs off of the ring road or is this something that you find on the ring road? You can find a lot of hot springs on the ring road. Um, particularly if you head um, clockwise again from the northwest fjords towards uh-huh. the northeast corner of the country, um, you encounter the pools of Mietvan, M-Y-T-V-A-N. Ooh. And the pools of Mietvan are kind of like hot springs and hot lakes, like everywhere you turn, and there's these like crystalline formations because there's so much like sediments and minerals in the water that almost look like stalactites and stalagmites, like but not in caves, just sort of like out in the wild. It's oh. really neat. Um, so that's definitely worth like, looking at, and you can sort of there's a um, particular like pool there that you can actually go in. It's like a hot bath or something. And uh, there's several of them, and so it doesn't get too crowded. And um, that's a really fun, like, afternoon thing to just go for, like, a, um, yeah, like a natural hot spring bath. So um, are most people nude or clothed? I don't think we saw – we went to, like, two or three different hot springs, and we didn't see anyone nude at any of them. So oh, wow. your, this bring your bathing suit event. Okay. Okay. Good yeah. to know. Good to know. <laughs> you don't want to be the only one who did uh, Right. <laughs> 
Um, then that, that gets awkward. That gets yeah. awkward. Yeah. If you want to do the slightly more expensive, slightly more touristy version of Hot Springs that doesn't involve traveling to the opposite side of Iceland from where the airport is, you could go to the Blue Lagoon, which is literally between Reykjavik and the airport, um, I think by design. And uh, uh, uh-huh. it's a pretty fancy, posh series of hot springs where they deliver drinks to you while you're swimming around in 90-degree water. Wow. So, Total fancy. I've never had drinks delivered to me in a hot spring. Yeah, it's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it feels a little less springy because it's like more pool-ish. It almost feels like a country club. But mm-hmm. then you get in the water and you're like, oh, why is it 95 degrees and smells a little sulfury? It's like because it's fed by that mountain over there. Fabulous. Fabulous. Now, I I took a gander at some of your photos and I saw a photo of like icebergs. Did I did I dream that? Did, did oh, you, did you see icebergs? Uh, there are icebergs and glaciers the size of like small apartment buildings that break off from a much larger glacier and just sort of float on down the river towards the ring road so as you're coming the way we did sort of clockwise around the country and you get to sort of the southern or southeast corner um you get to this place called jockey i can't say (laughs) (laughs) jockey larson jockey larson Glacier Lagoon, and uh, you can't miss it. I mean, you're driving on the ring road, you're heading back towards Reykjavik, it's on your right, and you just see these massive blue-green icebergs kind of floating towards you, and what's so cool is that, you know, you go away for a couple hours and come back, and they're different, because they're literally, like, floating by and breaking up, and, you know, further downstream they float, the more they kind of melt and break apart, and then new ones break off the iceberg and float on by. Whoa, that is so cool. That is so cool. I've never seen real live icebergs. I wish we had had more time to like hike around that glacial lagoon. That would have been a really cool thing to do because you could go like, I think all the way up to the actual glacier that it's like breaking off of. And we just were sort of out of time that day. Incredible. Now, on this trip, did you see any like active volcanoes or go any ice caves or anything like that? We didn't, but there's a whole interior to the country that we haven't even talked about, and frankly, that I didn't see. And that is everything, if you can imagine it, inside of the ring road. It's thousands of miles of frozen, snowy mountains um, that, you know, remind you of the sort of opening scenes to Lord of the Rings, where they're sort of flying over these, like, snow-capped mountains and um people do everything from hella skiing there to snowmobiling and four-wheel driving and i think there's even some fancy like suv trips you can sort of take up there so um that would be next level i think in terms of expense and uh uh, maybe riskiness um but that's that's sort of even for the more adventurous folks who want to check out the interior of iceland Maybe there'll be another episode if anybody is listening and knows more about inside the ring road. Uh, definitely let me know. That would be an amazing episode. Yeah. Uh, and finally, I guess, what is what was your favorite part about this trip? Like what really stands out in your mind when when you go back to this time? I think it was... Being able to drive wherever we wanted 
and knowing that we could kind of stop wherever we wanted Mm -hmm. to take pictures. And if you needed to stand in the middle of the road to get a good shot for 10 minutes, you could do that because there wasn't a lot of traffic, you know? Um, And that's not all parts of it, but certainly on like the Northern side of the country, um, you know, sometimes it might be 15 minutes before a car comes by. Um, certainly out in the Western periods, it could be even longer than that. Um, you know, and every, every time we sort of came around a new corner, there was something different. Um, sometimes there would be, you know, these horses that look like they have afros or something. There'd be, you know, sheep kind of in these little groups of three staring at you and they'd let you get really close and then kind of scamper away. Or there'd be these dramatic waterfalls. Um, so I guess maybe it was like the surprises around every corner and, and not knowing kind of what to expect in terms of the differences of different regions of the country. Um, and I would recommend to anyone who does go a whole loop around the ring road on the far Eastern side of the country, there's this really neat town called Niskopstador and Niskopstador is just slightly off the ring road by maybe like an hour. And one of the cool things about it is that there's this incredibly long, dramatic tunnel that's just like lined with stone on the inside. It's got these big iron doors that they shut in the wintertime so that like too much snow and ice doesn't get in there. And sometimes uh, like after you go in, it gets so narrow that only one lane can pass. And so you have to wait for a little like bubble on the side of the tunnel and sort of go off into the bubble. And then the traffic going the other way can pass. Um, but you sort of come out of that tunnel. And again, you're at the top of this like gorgeous mountain. And you're just driving down these mm-hmm. lush green valleys with like goats and sheep kind of like running around on all sides of you and just the most incredible waterfalls I've ever seen. So cool. I have to go there. I've never been to Iceland. I encourage you to. Uh, I'm adding this to my bucket list. Okay, so if you want to go and explore uh, the nature reserve off the ring road for at least, we'll say, like two days, and you want to drive the entire ring road and stop along the way and take your time, how much time should you spend to to do that? So I'm going to say your first day should be spent um, getting supplies and getting your rental car and getting situated and then maybe making a little bit of progress. Um, Then you're going to spend, you know, two days really getting to the nature reserve. If you if you speed through it, you could maybe do it in one, but you're going to be taking those, uh, you know, excuse me, you can be taking those trips around the uh, fjords pretty quickly. Uh Um, but I would think three days to get to the town um, where you're going to jump off and take that boat. Then maybe you're hiking for two days, um, so you're up to day five. And then if you want to come back to the ring road, it's another day to get back to the ring road. So that's like six days. Uh-huh. And then to really take the rest of the ring road around, if you go quickly, maybe two days, so a total of eight. And if you take your time, maybe more like 10 or 11. Um, okay. So so we were there for ten days. Um, I think you could. I think you could do it in eight if you were in a hurry. Um, but also, if you really just wanted to go to the nature reserve um, and you wanted to skip the rest of the ring road, you know, you could do that and do the whole thing in five or six days. Cool. All right. It's good to know. Yeah. So you adventure planners out there need to start planning your trip 
to Iceland to possibly see the Northern Lights if you go during the right time and see some icebergs and, if you're lucky, an Arctic fox. And don't forget to bring your hiking poles. Oh, hiking poles. Because you don't want to be crawling on the ground and the ice and snow. No, you don't. (laughs) Bring your hiking poles. Or rent hiking poles from the camp store when you come in. Amen. Yes. That would (laughs) uh any final thoughts before before we go um just that iceland is a lot closer than people think um you know it's not quite as long to get there as it takes to get to paris and you know a lot of people have done that so uh it feels totally different because the pictures we've seen are you know make it look like another planet but um it's it's not that far from especially people on the east coast and uh, I'd say totally doable and absolutely worth it. Cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for, for joining today. This You've absolutely blown my mind and painted this beautiful picture of Iceland. And listeners, please check out Chris Tatum's podcast, The Cross-Examined Life. And hopefully we'll have you on the show soon. Yes, uh, be super fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get my debate on or my listening on too. Well. <laughs> Both are important. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much and really appreciate your time joining me today. And thank you for sharing your story and your adventure. Of course. Keep up the awesome work sharing these experiences that people should have. I know I'm excited to continue listening and add more things to my bucket list. Oh, fabulous. Well, life is all about experiences. So until next time on Experiences You Should Have. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have podcast. Please leave a review on iTunes and please subscribe to this podcast where you listen to podcasts. Also, if you have an experience that you think others would like to hear about, upload that picture to Instagram, tag at experiences podcast on Instagram, and also add the hashtag EYSH for experiences you should have. You never know. You might be on the next episode of Experiences You Should Have podcast, giving you a how-to guide for amazing experiences. Peace.